With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our guest this week is helpfully nicknamed Der Hammer. Capped 52 times for his country. He had one season with the Hammers. We'll talk, we'll talk about that in due course. But of course, he's also, to this day, the most high-profile footballer to ever come out as gay. Ten years ago, Thomas. Welcome to Ironcast. It's Thomas Hitzelsberger. Thank you. Welcome, I, re- I remember ten years ago when you came out. <laughs> 2014, I thought, this is the start of a whole new world. You're going to be the first of a long line of high-profile gay footballers to come out. Here we are 10 years on. You're still the most high-profile footballer. How do you explain that? What's happened there? Thanks for asking as well, because it was a special time, you know, in the run-up to it. Um, And as you just said, 10 years later, there's very few players that we know of that come out publicly. There is one player in Serie A, Jakob Jankto, Czech player, plays for Cagliari. Uh, but I think he just wants to, he came out publicly, but after that, he sort of kept quiet and that's his decision. That's fine. For me, it was an interesting journey. You know, I felt it was the right time to speak up and to say something publicly. And between then and now I'm I'm just more engaged and I just feel like I have a, a duty to speak up regularly and, and, and support people because I've been helped by a lot of people to get that far. Uh, but unfortunately at the highest level, there aren't many players. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you get much? Um, response much help from inside of football like the PFA or anything like that did, did they contact you at the time well I have to admit I, I never reached out to anybody mm. you know before that I just felt more comfortable talking to my family my closest yeah. friends they were the ones that really helped me to get that far afterwards I had some lovely messages from people within the football industry I can't explicitly say who they were because there were so many emails and letters and, and, and social media posts and everything. It was great. The response was was so positive. But I, at that point, I didn't need help. You know, that's why I said in the run up to it, I needed support from family and friends, which I got. But afterwards, it was like, OK, I take the, the praise and everything. And now it's down to me to, you know, follow up on it. Mm, yeah. Well, we'll come back to that at the end of the interview. I wanted to start uh-huh. by asking you about... Bayern Munich, which is a you Bayern, you from Munich, right? Did you grow up a Bayern Munich fan? You were there at the academy and got released quite early on, which is how you ended up in England. Yeah, uh, I'd say I was a fan for the time I played there. So eleven years I, I spent at the academy at Bayern. Wow. Of course, I was a Bayern fan, but I grew up in a family. They're all eighteen sixty Munich supporters. So. Almost the day I left, you know, I, I wasn't a fan anymore. Uh, I joined Villa, really loved English football, loved Villa. And now if there is a team in Germany I really like, apart from Stuttgart where I played, it's 1860 Munich and not Bayern. 
Mm. Wow. I, I was looking, I was trying to figure out who you would have played with growing up. Dietmar Haman, I think, might have been around. Philip Lahm, no? Yeah, yeah. Dietmar Haman is older than me. Uh, Philip Lahm, Bastian Schweinsteiger, they're a bit younger, but I knew them uh, from the academy. Uh, some other players, you probably wouldn't know them either. They're older or, or younger. In my age group, there isn't anybody I can think of that played other than Owen Hargreaves. He came over from Canada, you know, joined the academy yeah. at Bayern and then later did came really over well out there as well, didn't he? He did really well, yeah. Really well. Some big names. Yeah. So what was it? I mean, that's a brave decision as a young man to get released by Bayern and go, I'm going to go try and set, set up in England. That takes a lot of bravery. I didn't get released. The thing was, uh, I went to the Under-17s World Cup in New Zealand at the time and, and I didn't have a contract with Bayern. So I've been playing for them just without mm. a contract came in almost every day because I wanted to. Went to the World Cup to New Zealand and there I met an agent and the guy said, look, I can get you a trial uh, in a Premier League club. And I thought, that's interesting, you know, yeah, okay, prove that. it to me. So when I went back from New Zealand, he said Villa would take me on a trial for a week. So I left Bayern for a week to train with Villa. And then they said, you know, here's a contract. Wow. We want to sign you. And then I had six months to do to think about it and decided to join Villa. Wow. Yeah. I was trying to figure out, you might have been ex-Hammers you would have played with a Villa. David James? Was David James yeah, there? Yeah, David James. Yeah. Character. Character. There, I mean, there were a <laughs> lot of least. characters. Seriously, that first yeah, season, then. you know, you're young, you come from abroad and you come in. David Chanola signed that season. Yeah. Uh, David James was there. Uh, Gareth Barry was still young, of course. Um, Alpe Ossalan, uh, Luke Nilis, um, Peter Schmeichel signed a year after, uh, Paul Merson. I mean, God, big so names. many big yeah. names, great characters, uh, Gareth Southgate. Uh, and, you know, when you walk in, you think, oh, this is big. big I, you know? I was just about to say that to you. I didn't realize when I went to Villa 2009, I, no disrespect, I didn't know how big Aston Villa was. Huge yeah. club, wasn't it? Indeed, yeah, yeah. And, and there's you walk so much... in there and the European Cups on the side, you're like, right, and the training Well, the first thing the they told me was the final uh, against Bayern, Villa at Bayern, yeah. you know, because in 82, that was meant so much to them. Mm. And, of course, you only realise how big the club is when you actually live there, there, because I came from Bayern, which is also, you know, not a small club. And it was it was phenomenal just to see these characters. Dion Dublin's another one where you think... Mm these guys are really you know grown-up men and and they love football they they give you a tough time in training but at the same time they're really decent characters yeah and did you, sorry did you le learn a lot in those early days playing with the definitely. playing with the older boys yeah yeah i had huge respect you know you're in training and of course i want to get into the first team mm. but they didn't just you know let me walk into the first team and say here's your place you had to fight for it and at times to to see the difference between training in germany where it's like you have conversations with the manager you sort of argue with him a little bit and there it's about tackling you know it's really hard you know tough and training you have to fight for your place and i had to mature very quickly and this was the best thing that could have happened to me brilliant graham taylor was the man which feels weird to me because graham taylor i always think is a different era like more uh, really early 90s but he's the man who kind of takes you out the reserves and gives you the chance how much do you love Graham Taylor for that? <laughs> very much, very much. Because you, we have to go back because Gre uh, uh, John Gregory was the first manager who was in charge when I first came. And he was, the, what I always say, the, the first real gaffer that I've, I've met. You know, He started watching the, 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 the game in the stands in the first half, had his phone next to him. When he didn't like stuff, he picked up his phone and, and talked to his assistant. I remember that. And during the second half, he walked down and everybody was you know, cheering him on. It was a great scenario to watch. Mm. But... He always thought I was a good player, but not good for good enough for him. And Graham Taylor obviously believed in me and, and threw him in. Brilliant. Brilliant. Eventually, you make your way back 
to the Bundesliga, to Stuttgart. And there's so many amazing goals you score there. But th- you know what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> Thomas wins the league for Stuttgart on the last game of the season with a volley from a corner that is one of the greatest goals I've ever seen. And given what it means to Stuttgart and what that achievement you must never have to buy a drink in Stuttgart I, I ever again. I don't think you ever scored a bad goal, though, did you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably. Every goal, like when I was playing against Thomas and seeing him play, every goal was a worldie, wasn't it? You're almost right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't didn't do any tapping. Did no tapping. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, that was uh, was great because I had such a great time in England. You know, I didn't really want to leave Villa five years. You know, up in Birmingham, I made a lot of friends and I enjoyed it. But then I thought with Villa, it's it's probably not likely we're going to win the league or even the cup it was tough so Stuttgart was for me the next step up and they're a big team just like Villa West Ham and some other teams but they've been underachieving and I signed with them and the four and a half years I spent at Stuttgart been been brilliant we played European football Champions League and we won the league and that season just stands out in my whole career as you said you're always dreaming about winning stuff and then on the final day at home you score um, you know such a goal it doesn't get any better than that and I still have to buy drinks in Stuttgart but a lot of people like me <laughs> <laughs> people in this country are always gone about Paul Skull's volley from a corner mm. which I think it was against Villa actually was. But Thomas your goal it's it's incredible. I urge every, everyone who's listening to this, you've got to hunt it out. I'm going to be honest here. I don't think I've seen the goal. Is it straight volley uh, from it, the corner? Uh, cool, yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, further like, out than Paul's goals is. If you hit it 20 yards, yeah, 20 yards, yeah. And uh, and the guy, you know, it's great delivery as well. It's it's mm. all right talking about me scoring that goal, but the guy who delivers it, Pavel Pardo, a Mexican international, uh, we we practiced it in training. And, so and that's you, even, it actually I, was planned? It was planned, yeah. No way. Now, before I scored that goal, we had this, exactly the same situation. Corner, I had the chance to, to hit it and somebody, you know, deflected it. And then like 10 minutes later, same situation, the ball goes in and it, I just went mental. It's, it's very polite to mention the player taking the corner yeah. but we, we can all take a corner <laughs> well, to, to no, a certain no, level it's all, it's all about the, it's, corners it's all about the strike surely yeah, yeah. so your nickname De Hammer that, I read that's come from the fact you had an incredibly hard shot is that yeah. accurate? it is accurate yeah. have you always had that ability then? I've, I've had it yeah when it, yeah, I, I did have it so what I did when I was a kid you know you immediately mm. notice it and that's my special ability so to speak so I, I've kept on banging the ball against the wall and you know, when I didn't have anybody to play with, I just mm. played myself against the wall. And that was something I had and people noticed it. And when you have that ability, I think that separates you from the rest. You've got to make the most of it. So I tried to, you know, take long cool, distance shots well. and and it worked out for me. Yeah. And with a nickname like Der Hammer, it's inevitable that you should move to West Ham. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. So let's talk about summer of 2010. How does the move come about? Who sells you on West Ham? Well, this is probably a, a sad bit of my career you know I should go back to to Lazio because that was a club I played for before I came to West Ham and that was the lowest point of my career you know five months at Lazio I signed January 2010 I uh, was about to go to the World Cup with with Germany uh, and it didn't happen so those five months were horrible for me so I even thought about walking away from football it was really? that bad and then what my, is in on the just everything. injury or just not playing well uh, I, I did I wasn't really injured, not physically, but mm. mentally was oh, tough. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the manager assigned me, got sacked after the first game I played there. The new manager Doesn't wasn't help. interested <laughs> at all. So I was stuck there and hardly anybody to talk to. And it's not their fault. I just was at the wrong place place at the wrong time. And then I didn't make it to the World Cup in South Africa. So I had a really low, low spell. And 
then my, my agent phoned me up and said, West Ham's interested. And I thought, that's just, that, that can't be true because that's sort of the only club. And going back into the Premier League and life in London, you know, of course, I can mention that. The whole package, I think yeah. this is a restart for me. I really, I want to go there. I want to prove a point that Lazio, leave it behind me. And and I was so looking forward to it. I was like, yeah, that's the club I wanted to hear from. And we made it happen. Brilliant. And then and you then. get injured. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how does it happen? Because you sign in the summer. You don't actually make your debut until February 2011, well yeah. into the season, obviously. And by then, there's a crisis. Yeah. But winding back mm. to the summer, how does that injury take place? Uh you know, I started pre-season and funny enough, we went to Germany close to where I grew up in Kimse. And I had such a great pre-season. I loved every day training with the lads. Uh, the games we played, you know, it felt like, as I said before, a restart for me. I can't wait for the season to start. And then I got called up for the German national team. We had a pre-season friendly after the World Cup. Jogi Löw thought, okay, I'll bring Thomas in, show him that he's still part, still part of the, of the squad. Plans, yeah. uh, I was the captain that game. So we played in Copenhagen. I had to come off after 60 minutes or so. And that's when I ruptured my tendon. And it wasn't oh, yeah. clear at the beginning, but in the end, I was out for six months and it was horrible. It really was. So it was a Germany game. It was a Germany game. My last international game, yeah. Oh, the last game as well. It was the last yeah. game, yeah. yeah. Wow. And uh, so that was, at the time when it happened, it wasn't clear how severe the injury was. So at first I was told six to eight weeks and then I tried to come back. Same happened again. Yeah. So in total I was out for six months and it was I was devastated, yeah. Was that a tough period for you? Obviously a new club, but such a long-term yeah. injury. It was a tough because, as I said, Lazio was just behind me. I, I came here, arrived here, so I, I was buzzing, I was ready to go. And then you get pulled back again and say, you're out for a long time. And that, I had so much time to really think and reflect. And that when a lot of things in my life changed, you know, so that the personal story came into it. Mm. And I had to realize, okay, I got to make some changes in my life. But first of all, get fit and hopefully come back and, and play for, for West Ham because I had a three year contract at the time mm. and I wanted to stay for three years at least. But mm. that didn't happen either. Oh, no, we'll get <laughs> on to that. Tell me about like the, the team we had in that year. It's, we, I don't think on this podcast we've really talked about it that much that particular season, but so many great players like Scott Parker. It's one of our greatest players of the modern era. Did you walk into that dressing room? I can't imagine the thought crossed your mind that this is a team that could end up getting relegated. No, otherwise I would have had a close contract probably. <laughs> and I didn't have it. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, Scott mm. Parker became player of the season in a season that we, where we got relegated, which is really bizarre. But, yeah, he was he was great. Mark Noble, you know, I didn't know much about him at first, but he's one of those, I would say, unsung heroes. Yeah. He's a legend, which is obviously bigger. But I met people like Mark Noble at other clubs, Leon Osman at Everton, mm. Gareth Berry at first yeah. at, at Villa. And, you know, what do you think... What a top player. You know, he's there all the time. And every season, new players come in, but he always plays. Yeah. So that is a top quality that he I, has. I think with Nobes and the players you mentioned, I, I don't think people realise how good Nobes was unless exactly. you play with him. Play, like, play behind him, certainly me as a centre-back. You don't... He gets, obviously, recognition from West Ham fans, but playing for England is is obviously... Yeah. How he didn't play for England. But I think, as Thomas has mentioned there, until you play with Nobes and Gareth Barry at Villa... Yeah. You don't realise how good these boys are until you're in the team with them. And also what they bring off the pitch as well. Exactly. All big characters, all yeah. captains. I think everyone you mentioned, the captains do their talking on the pitch and, and have a massive influence on yeah, the club. Yeah, don't always grab the headlines. But yeah. as you said, when you, when you Seven train, out of ten every week or eight train out of ten, them, you know, play and, with them, yeah. they're so consistent. And that's when you really see the quality of them. Mm. Matthew Upson was there, uh, mm. Rob Green. 
Um, Demba Bar came, you know, Demba yeah, Bar, yeah, a striker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was watching some highlights of the games you featured when you start coming into the team in February. We had a good run of winning some games, actually. And Demba Bar, you, you forget how mm. good he was. Yeah, yeah. This is the start of his journey in England. What was he like to play with? I really enjoyed it. And, and we probably come to that Wigan game uh, <laughs> where he scored two goals and I set both of them up. But I knew him from Germany, you know, when he when he came to Germany at Hoffenheim. You know, the guy was just a fantastic striker. And then also a really good character, good mm. guy to, to, to play with and be around with. And that's why, yeah, another player, you really appreciate when you train and, and play with him, how good he was, hardworking. Uh, everything about him was was brilliant. What what do you posit as the reason? Why did that they season sold go me. They so sold me. bad? Yeah. Yeah, they it's it's a tough one i, I tried to forget about it very quickly <laughs> no seriously and and the fact that you've invited me to this just like why do they ask me Brings it all back. Played, trying what, to figure out what went wrong Thomas, 11 games <laughs> yeah 11 yeah. games i played for the club I was injured most of the time and we got relegated and yet you invite me to this podcast <laughs> like what is wrong here and the second one i want to mention is the last game at upton park the club invited all the former players. Mm. I was like, that is fantastic. And I went. Yeah. I, I really, really enjoyed it. But a part of me thinks, I can't go. Like I I, I was part of the team that went down with the club. You know, I, I was so embarrassed that I, I just didn't want mm. to take on the invitation. So part of me said, don't go, don't go. You don't deserve it. And the other parts of it, this could be a memorable experience, which it was. Yeah. And and I did go. So thank you very much for <laughs> keeping <laughs> for in touch with me. <laughs> When you came into the team in February, we had a really good run of results. And that's, you saw, I think your first goal was against Burnley, I think it was. Yeah. And again, another screamer. And when you look at those results as you come into the team, you're having a massive impact. And I remember thinking at the time, we're, this is it now. Because had, we've had West Ham many a time have pulled results together at the end of the season and got out. It happened loads of times, mm -hmm. especially when Ginger was at the back. <laughs> and I did, Thomas, did you feel like that when you came into the team and had that run? Did you think, well, we're going to stay up now? Yeah, of course I did. I mean, because first of all, I came back from injury and I thought, you know, now's the time for me. I want to play. I loved it. I was in and around the team again. And of course, it was a difficult season, but we weren't still, we were still in contention to stay in the league. So why would you think that we aren't staying? in the league but the longer I played the longer I was there I was thinking this is difficult things are not right we have a lot of good individual players mm. but we just can't get it together as a team and that was hugely frustrating because I don't have that one reason where I would say that's why we went down there's a lot of different reasons uh, obviously because we had good enough players yeah you were there that day on one of the blackest days in my experience supporting West Ham, Wigan away, I want to talk about. That game for me encapsulated that season where we'd been at. We were 2-0 up against Wigan and everyone's thinking, well, here we go, the great escape's on. We somehow lose 3-2. Hmm. You were playing that day and I remember, I think we, relegation might have been confirmed directly after that. That game it was. Yeah. What was the atmosphere like in the dressing room afterwards? It must have been so tough. Yeah. Uh, talk about that game. Um, you didn't mention I <laughs> set the two yeah. goals well, From corners. You said it's so easy to, yeah, yeah. to you know, do corners. So I think... <laughs> I take it it's not so easy to take a corner, yeah. but it's not as hard as the, the I made the it look easy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as you said, you know, you go into the game, you have to win the game. Mm. Uh, 2-0 up and you think, it's going our, our way. And you're up in Wigan. and it was raining. I think yeah. the entire game, it rained heavily, right? And and I loved it. I just loved being on that pitch. It was going up and down. It, it was going our way. And you, you noticed the way it's going down for you. You concede, you know, 2-1 and it's an equaliser and they scored 3-1, the what, in extra time, didn't they? Yeah, so, yeah, I think the last something, kick of the game, something like 90 minutes, that. yeah. 
and and you think as you said it just sums up the entire season where you think why did this happen you know we look like we're going to win it we had a better team I'm saying now we had a better team probably they would disagree with me but and then you lose it because of lack of concentration sloppiness whatever it is Nerves. and you're in that dressing room thinking you know this is absolute disgrace we mm. shouldn't be here we mm. we shouldn't be in this dressing room being relegated mm. and we faced the fans and and I'm going to say this later again some of them even applauded us for the effort and you think this is English football for me in Germany people would just yeah. would stop us from going back back home really it would be that bad <laughs> but some of them still applauded us for the for the effort but of course there was some swearing going on <laughs> um but for me you know arriving here such a big club and the end of the season you get relegated it's like I, I just can't believe this and and this is just so wrong for the fans people have been been loyal to us um yeah that's why it's not good memories <laughs> so, <Yeah>. so sorry to... <laughs> just brought it just pick it up again yeah well look I, I think if I was going to pick I, I'd be interested to hear what your high point of your West Ham time is for me it's the, the game against Stoke mm. uh, and your goal in particular that that you score uh, the hardest shot I think even harder than the one you scored for Stuttgart into the roof of the net and you actually see the net, net lift off the floor was that the high point for you uh, Liverpool probably oh, Liverpool. The, the Liverpool oh, game. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah the home game against Liverpool where, where we won uh, should I say unexpectedly? Well, I think the club's got a good record against Liverpool. Mm. But anyway, it was a really good game against Liverpool. The Stoke one, I remember, I tried to smash the goal, <laughs> you know, to score and, and, <laughs> yeah. and break the crossbar as well. Oh, yeah. uh, and that's what you could see. And it wasn't anger, but just when you know you're going to score now yeah. and you put everything in, uh, that, that was it. And I was obviously delighted. I scored another one against Blackburn, which was also kind of wasn't enough to win it but we got a draw uh yeah that was just that particular that personal moment um but overall it was a combination of i'm happy to be back i'm happy to be here and at the same time thinking is that going to be enough for the end of the season i don't know can yeah. we talk about avram grant that year <laughs> yeah, can, go on. yeah just no no because we've had loads of ex-players on from that sort of time and and, and spoke about avram and do you think I don't mean this disrespectfully because I, you know, I don't really know Avram, but do you think with that team we had, if there was a maybe, I don't know, if stronger or better manager maybe at that time, we, we would have we would have stayed up with the, the group of players we had? Well, you've, you've talked to other players, I don't know what they said. Um, I mentioned we had a good group of players, mm. but obviously it's too easy to say it's just a manager. It can't be, no, of course, he can't yeah. be the only one. But yeah, we're all part of this. Mm. And uh, I think he's... He's, he has to take some of the blame as much as we have to, uh, because yeah. Yeah, sometimes you say if the manager is is not doing everything or, or doing things not the way he should do, then a good group of players would put it right, yeah. and and we didn't. That's why I said you know it's, it would be too easy for me to say it's just him, um, but we we were all responsible. Uh, I know I saw Kevin Keane recently. I, unfortunately, I didn't speak to him. I saw him from distance. I remember you know talking to him as well, and it was just to see his frustration and he wanted to do as much as he could but he, he couldn't really mm -hmm. uh that was devastating as well and and for everybody involved at the club to 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 look at it thinking we've got to do something, something I, yeah. I think we brought in some psychologists what you do mm -hmm. to, towards the end of the season when things are not going yeah. right <laughs> try you and try, sort it out. we had a you know with a team we went away on uh, Play, uh, what's it called clay pitch and shooting or something yeah, yeah. a paintball we tried <laughs> did, did everything yeah tried we tried everything, everything. <laughs> brought in the psychologists and you think like what is it that it takes for this group that. to really perform and it just wasn't going to be like i said everybody involved has to take the blame 
All right, West Ham fans, one way you can support Ironcast and help us rocket up the charts and beat off the competition from other official football clubs' podcasts like Chelsea and like Spurs is to get a five-star rating or review from you. Support me and Ginger on the podcast, chuck us a five-star rating review and help us rocket up the charts where West Ham belong, at the top of the table. Back on with the show. I was looking, I never really understood why you left at the end of that season. I felt like you were the perfect player to kind of help build the team around in the championship. Why, why did it, why did your West Ham career end that summer? Uh, I'm probably allowed to talk about this, uh, about my contract, but the club had an option to terminate my contract in case they got relegated or we got relegated, which they did. And I said, I'd I'd like to stay, you know, because I'm happy here. Mm. I'm happy to play in the championship. I'm part of the the group that went down. So I'm I'm more than happy to do everything to get back up again. But the club decided to terminate the contract and, and that was it. So I thought, okay you got to reconsider what you're doing. And, and that was huge frustration. So Sam Allardyce came in, mm. he wanted his own players, which is understandable. And I wasn't part of those plans. And that's why I had to make up my mind and, and go elsewhere. It was really frustrating because I started to, you know, settle in, you know, even though football wasn't the best, I thought I want to have more years here and 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 sort of hopefully finish my career at West Ham and get promoted and and have a good time, but that wasn't going to be. I can't think back to that time. Did anyone? Did anybody else have that in their contract at the time? Terminated it? I can't remember. I don't know honestly. I know there was a big change, obviously getting relegated. But I can't miss. Did you have a training session with Big Sam, or was it before no. even Big Sam? No, 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 it wasn't even a discussion. It was, it was <laughs> oh, clear, goodness, you know, club yeah. club, you know, terminated contract, and then I was out of contract, and I was mm. unemployed. First time in my career <laughs> where I was just stuck here. I still lived in 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 Shoreditch, and and I thought, okay, well, what's going to happen? You know, I wouldn't choose any club again. You you know, sort of pulled back, thinking, what is my life going to be? You know, I'm. I want to be here, but the club doesn't want me to be here. What's next? And it was tough. So it How took... old was you at this point, Thomas? How old? How old was you then? Do you remember? Yeah, I was uh, 29, I think. Oh, so fine. Yeah. 29. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But my frustration grew and I thought, oh, you know, do I still want to be in this? You know, I've just found the club where I wanted mm. to be for a long time, but it Doesn't isn't work. going to be. And then I had an offer from Wolfsburg and it was, was really lucrative offer. And I thought, you know, try it again. But at the time, I should have already admitted to myself, I should stop playing football because I was really? too many issues, too yeah, many injuries. Yeah. You know, with that big injury happened mm. during my time here at West Ham, it was just the beginning of many injuries. And and uh, yeah, well, I mean, you're one of the few footballers I would say who, who has a more like a really interesting <laughs> career after you finished playing. What, what can we talk about? You own L'Escargot, the restaurant in Soho, one of the most oldest and famous French restaurants yeah. in the centre of London. You went on to become CEO of Stuttgart. Let's start with the French restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. How does, yeah. that, how, does, how does that happen? How... Well, that started 10 years ago. I, I went in for the first time and uh, I really loved it. There was something, sometimes, you know, you go t- into restaurants or places in general and you think, there is something about this that I really enjoy. I can't put my finger on it, but I really love it. So I kept going back and every time I went back, I was like, I still love it. Got to know the management. And then when COVID hit, people reached out to me and said, look, you know, would you be interested in kind of being involved in a restaurant? And I thought I had time. I just left Stuttgart. Um, would I want to do that? And I thought, yeah, why not? You know, sort of becoming an entrepreneur. Can I really run mm. a business? And because I learned a lot of stuff at Stuttgart in my role as a CEO and other different roles. So I thought that's the next step up. 
in this industry. I love food. I love being here in London. Can I run such a big institution? It's already a big brand. So what can I do to to keep it going? So I was tempted to just do it and said, how good can I be in this industry? And and here I am. And I love it. It's it's hard work, but I really enjoy it. I wonder if you're going to, you're going to get a few West Ham fans. Well, I hope so, yeah. That's the plan, yeah. We have, uh, I know, you know, yeah, I, there are some West Ham fans that's been there in the past and, and I just love telling people and I, I love the buzz around it when it's full up, you know. But I've been there on days when it wasn't really busy mm. and that I want to avoid in the future going forward. So I have to think about constantly, how can we get people in? How can we make it interesting? Food is, is top notch, service is great. Selling Just, it well, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll come in. Do, 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 into that, I know it might be a bit of a funny question. Do you take anything from your time in football into how you, how you run a restaurant, how you deal with staff, I suppose, and stuff like that? Uh, I'd say, yeah, mm. if, if you have enough time, I, I go back again, <laughs> yeah. because what had a, a big impact on me was last year, Nobs and I, we both went to Boston Harvard Business School. I don't mm. know whether you told oh, yeah, us. Yeah, together. Yeah. yeah, we did. We wow. didn't know, but you oh, know, really? we all applied for it and there, there we arrived and then you get a list of all the people who are participating. There's Mark Noble. I think, is that Mark Noble from West Ham? Anyway, you know, we go into the classroom and, and there he was, uh, which was great. So we had four, we, uh, four days together. We did all those case studies mm. and those four days were just inspirational. You know, the, the group of people and, and how they talk about, you know, former athletes, what do they do after their career and owning businesses nowadays you know having a share in the business where you take more responsibility and this had a huge impact on me so i thought rather than just working for a company why don't have you know uh, shares in it and, and yeah. own parts of the company then i'm responsible there's no excuses anymore and this is of course it's a different industry but I just want to run a business where I have no excuses. It's down to me whether it's a success or not. Not entirely, but I have that responsibility and I just, I, I really enjoy it. Well, that, that must have had a big impact on Nobs as well. I know because yeah. he's gone on and he, obviously he's still heavily involved with the club, but I think he's got a few businesses and things going yeah. on on the outside as well. So yeah. maybe I should have done it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's definitely worth it. As I said, the, the group dynamic, people from all around the world, really inspir inspirational guys. Clarence Taylor was, mm. was there. There's only the footballers, but people from Google, Apple, uh, uh, music stars, you know, every, everything. And, and that was really inspiring. Hmm. And tell me about being CEO of Stuttgart. I thought there must have been such an advantage for you, obviously being quite clever, but having been a former footballer and understanding what the mindset of footballers did, did having a, had a career in the game really help you in that role as CEO? I, I don't really know because there aren't many CEOs in football that were former players because it's it's so difficult to run a business at that size with the amount of members, 70,000 members at the time at Stuttgart mm. and you're overseeing the whole operation. The, the revenue is more than 100 million euros a year. So this is a big business, more than 300 staff. And to do that with my background is not easy because I never went to university. You know, I didn't have the time to study all of this. How do you marketing, ticketing, merchandising? So people at the club at the time believed I have the ability to do that, you know, you know, learn on the job, which was a huge honor for me. So I worked very hard in those two and a half years, of course, to prove them right. And I've learned so much that I benefit every day I live now, I benefit from that experience. But there were tough moments as well you know and and i don't think what i learned on the pitch helped me as a ceo but you have 
credibility when it comes to football. As CEO, I was also responsible for the first team and everything. So that gave me the credibility. But to learn about marketing, ticketing and all those sort of things, I had to really dig in deep. And, and that was great because I enjoy the learning process. And now back at West Ham, looking around, I know you spent a little bit of time with the academy and seeing the work that Kenny Brown's doing. What's your assessment as a former CEO? It's looking great. It's <laughs> looking really, really good. You know, the, the position the club's in right now, I mean, last season winning the, Euro, you know, the Conference League and um, being eighth now in the table, that first and foremost looks great. But as I said, the people I've met in, you know, just recently, they're passionate about the club. They really want to drive the club forward. They have great ideas. Um, I really enjoy that. And as I said to them, when I came to the game against Freiburg, I arrive at the stadium asking them questions like, how many shops do you have around the city? How much do you pay for a beer? And how many shirts do you sell? All those sort of questions they might be thinking, what are you on about? Why don't, why don't you ask about the players? <laughs> yeah. But that's just having a different approach and a different perspective mm. for me um, gives brings me so much. For me, it's more about deciding what do I focus on? But I love football. I really, mm. I really love football. So it's hard to just say, I want to be a director of football at one club because there's so many other things in my head that's well around that really you, you must be not not surprised but happy to see the size of the football club now from from when you were playing and certainly even from when I'm playing in the last couple of years that obviously winning the conference league last year has been massive but the size of the club now can you see a, a real change in that I can but I also have to admit as a player you don't really think about the backroom yeah, staff true. you know all the other departments you know you're sort of so focused on 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 your on training on the games you meet people at Chadwell Heath, you know, as I said, all lovely people. But on a match day, you see the people who are working there, but you don't really engage with them. You don't have uh, uh, sort of the imagination. How big is this club really? You get the media, you get the fans. Uh, now, when I ask those questions, I get it. Like, this this club is huge. Mm. It's massive. So how can you grow globally the way football has developed in the last 10 years you know west ham needs to think who do we work with other clubs around the world how do we you know expand our fan base globally those are all the questions and yeah my impression was the club mm. is huge you sound like a ceo now <laughs> <laughs> i think maybe i'm going to say our most clever guest so yeah. far oh, i'm a little bit i'm a little bit with all due respect to carlton cole um, <laughs> i've never mentioned him I, should we talk yeah, yeah. 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 good guy yeah great guy great guy I, i'm sure almost everyone that's played yeah. with him or you know dealt with him they say say exactly the same he lightens the dressing room up you know yeah. he's he, he can't really say anything bad about him he's, he's such a great character always positive that's what you need you really you really do and and i, I really like him always positive but always late <laughs> that's correct <laughs> the latest man in football yeah. and i wanted to ask you as well about i mean so much has changed in the game and uh, since you played for west ham and specifically around lgbtq inclusion do you have a like there was no rainbow laces when you were playing and now we've got the west ham supporters group the uh, lgbtq group uh Pride of Irons, which are doing fantastic work. And I understand I've been tipped off that maybe you're going to get a little bit involved with Pride of Irons. Well, uh, they, they've reached out to me. I said, you know, once I've done this podcast, we can definitely talk. Uh, nowadays, I get a lot of requests for podcasts and, and especially LGBTQ podcasts mm. associated with football. I can't really do all of them. But as I said, that's my commitment now. Uh, I, I'm going to speak to them. And they are one of so many fan clubs in, in European football or global football that have really helped the, the community to grow and, and get more awareness, uh, which I think is phenomenal. As you said, the last 10 years, so much has happened that 
often people say to me, nothing has changed since I've come out. No other players or very few players have come out. I said, that's correct. But in terms of the fans mm. and the awareness, so much has, has changed. Clubs really take it seriously now when they talk about diversity and inclusion. And that's down uh, mainly to the fan clubs who have really had a, a really huge voice. Have you, have you been in contact with like the PFA maybe? I was trying to have an influence on it as in in football players and and, and staff members and stuff like that if you would, would you be interested in in, I, in talking to people i'm working with the german fa so i'm a, an okay. ambassador for diversity with the german fa i have uh, spoken with the with the english pfa and um, i'm trying to do as much as i can yeah but also find find a balance that's sometimes because the more you do the more requests you get mm. and finding that balance for me is is, is a tough one because I still want to be a voice for the community. I want to be an advocate and, and I want to be there, but not every day because otherwise I'd just become just that and yeah. that for me wouldn't be enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got quite a diverse portfolio. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I wanted to ask you about the this summer coming, Germany hosting a European tournament. You were in a Germany squad in 2006 that hosted a World Cup. So you know what it means for a home, your home nation, Germany, to host the tournament. How much are you looking forward to next summer? Are Germany going to do going to win it? But more importantly, are England going to win it? <laughs> of course. Is yeah. this the, is this the year for England? Objectively, uh, well, all those years I've I've lived and, and played in England, I thought you know every time a big tournament came up, England's going to win it. You know, they were so optimistic about it, and then every every time they played, and then it was over after the group stages or early on, you think you know they just talk a good game. <laughs> and with Germany, it was different. But now. Germans are really concerned that this is not going to be a big success. The team's not performing. You know, the new manager, Julian Nagelsmann, hasn't really found a way to to make make it work. And people are nervous. In Germany, they are nervous. Oh, really? On the one hand, they're excited. We are excited to host another big event. You know, I'm looking forward to the whole event, but you want your own team to do well. So everybody wants to replicate that 2006 World Cup. And it's really difficult to replicate it. You always find a way in tournaments, though. We do. In Germany, we always. do, and I hope it's going to happen again because the all the fans they need the team to do well. Mm. Otherwise, it's going to be a disaster, you know, in <laughs> terms of the atmosphere. But I've already bought four tickets: two for the opening game, two for the final. I've done. Oh, that. there you go. <laughs> Confident. Uh, so I've secured them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, uh, Tom. It's, um, yeah, just a light on that Germany. The 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 pressure. That you must feel that Germany squad is going to feel next time because you were in that team, like I say, in 2006. Do you, is that on you? Do you feel the whole nation expecting victory? And that pressure must be so different. Yeah, it's it's also the run-up to it. As I said, mm. now the players know that the fans in the last three tournaments, I think they got kicked out in the group stages, So, which for Germany is a disaster. So the players know it and the expectation is rising and rising. Playing at home now, the pressure is huge. You know, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes right now. But most of these players have dealt with it for 10, 15, 20 years. I really admire them for it. Um, but it's it, it's a tough one because looking at it, England team is better than Germany, I would say, on paper. France, definitely. Spain, possibly. We always find it difficult against Italy. So there's a lot of teams. I think we were quite fortunate with the draw. And no disrespect to Scotland. But <laughs> we were quite fortunate with the draw. And once you have that momentum, right, and that's what happened in 2006 World Cup and the second game against Poland, late winner against them, that created that momentum. And we ended up playing probably a little bit better than we actually were. But that buzz that was created helped the team. And that is possible again 
in in the next summer's Euros, and hopefully that will happen. Same as uh, same as my, our Wales team, 2016. Talk yeah. about momentum! Yeah. yeah, I go into a tournament, and it was exactly the same. But Germany always find a way, mate. They they do, yeah. yeah. We should have a quick word on Wales. You you're technically you can yeah, still okay. be there in yeah, 2024. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, still got a chance. Still yeah. got a chance. Got a play two uh, playoff game in Cardiff, and then and then the final in Cardiff as well. So, yeah, look, we we're at a stage now where tournament football needs to be regular and and the qualifying hasn't been great there's no doubt about it but we still got a chance yeah in cardiff take on anyone in cardiff yeah i'd love to see you there thomas in cardiff when wales are playing wow well thomas thank you for joining us look there's some high thank points you. in there let's not let's not deny it. that goal against stoke we'll all remember that uh, but thank you so much thank for joining for us me. thank you thomas. and thank you that. for listening we'll see you next time on ironcast until then come on you irons Podcast Network.